The Future is Inclusive is produced on Ngunnawal country and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future, especially those who identify as having a disability. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can I just wind back a second and say, hey, how was skiing? (laughs) What was good about it? Really? Anything in particular? Was it going super fast or was it having big stacks or was it doing that massive jump I saw a video of you doing? (laughs) What, getting home? The jump? This is The Future is Inclusive, and that was the voice of Lily Sharrock speaking to her friend and my co-host, Alison Proctor. I'm Cara Matthews, and in this episode of The Future is Inclusive, we're getting perspectives from family and friends of people with disability. The people who are allies not only because they want to be, but because they care deeply about a person with a disability. Alison and Susie Proctor are with me for this episode. Hello. Hi there, Cara. How's it going? Well, how are you? We're good, thank you. Suze, how are you today? Yeah, I think you're pretty good. (laughs) So do you guys know the family behind Gigi's Flowers? Well, absolutely. They're complete Canberra superstars, aren't they? I think um, a lot of people in Canberra would know the story of Gigi's Flowers. It was established uh, kind of around Nip's sister, Guyana, who has Down syndrome, uh, if you don't know of them, just check out their website, ggsflowers.com.au. You can get some more of the backstory mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. For this episode, we wanted to talk to Nip about her experience as the sibling of a person with Down syndrome. So our producer, Kim Lester, and I bailed her up for a chat. I honestly think that sometimes as a sibling, you get, you're very protective, right? And you're just like, I'm going to mow anyone down that even looks at us the wrong way but I also think that in the flip side I'm very like I choose not to entertain it and I choose like I might see someone and I'm like I'm either gonna run her over with the shopping trolley or I just have to walk away (laughs) so I'm gonna walk away and I just kind of like block that from my mind so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I've almost mowed people down in shopping trolleys for my sister yes I can just imagine (laughs) it's a thing that happens for sure is there anything else uh because you mentioned also as yourself, as a family member, one of the things that you do is protect or let it go or, you know, um, and probably provide a bit of a social buffer. What are some of the things that people can do in order to be a better ally? Me and my sisters talk about this a lot. Um, so I have two sisters and myself. We're all single. And as single <laughs> girls, we always talk about, you know, this mystical dream man who <laughs> allegedly doesn't exist. But anyway, talk about that. And for us, like all three of us agree that this mystical man has to be so good with Guyana. I have always said, yeah, like I reckon I judge a guy that walks into my life on how they interact with Guyana. And it's not that I'm like, but I always think that that tells a lot about how they treat other people, right? So I think that for me, the short answer for that is how they interact with her. You know, just saying hi, having a normal chat, asking her how she is, 
if she's having a suki lala moment, coming and sitting next to her and just giving her a bit of time, mm-hmm. I value that a lot. And I sometimes think like mm-hmm. we don't all have a lot of money, but what we do have is time. And mm-hmm. being able to give another person in the human race your time, it's just like money can't buy. Being able to kind of sit there and have a chat and engage, I think that that's really, really important. How old were you when Guyana was born? I would have been about six. I guess you were probably at that point old enough to have a bit of an understanding of what your family was like when she came along. How how did things change once a child with a disability came into your family? Yeah, that's a great question. So I don't remember it changing so much. So when when she was born and Guyana and I, anyone that knows us will know that we have this very beautiful connection and we're very close. Just throughout life, I think that really harnessed my want to do great things in in the world and, and really advocate for people like her and, and obviously her, which is why I started the business, but being able to see how she grew up and also how hard her life was in comparison to my other two sisters, that was what kind of harnessed it for me. You've very much taken your entire career down a particular path. You said you were studying journalism before this. Do you have a sense that she is your main driver to do something amazing that you want to do? Or do you have a sense that there's this other life that you've maybe left behind? I've had a massive shift in the last year. So I worked in communications and, you know, I was paid a lot of money to probably not do very much. And I loved it and it was great. And I was doing this business on the side. But at the end of the day, I loved and adored the business. And um, I left that with the plan of just being away for three months. I was just going to work on the business for three months. And now, like six years later, I'm still here. And so for me, it was that really like she was my driver and that was the reason why I got up every day. But actually I knew, and I, I think I knew this seven years ago, but maybe I haven't realised it until now, um, I knew that I had potential to be able to impact a lot more lives. And to me, it had always been I'm speaking, I, I want to act and I want to do on behalf of Guyana and her friends. And, you know, I wanted Guyana to have employment, but I also wanted her to work with all of her friends. And Gigi's was a vehicle for that. However, I always thought I would go back to comms. And I always, until the last kind of few months, I've always thought, I need to go back. I need to go back. I'm going to earn much more money. It's going to be much better. And I have just recently come back from America, from my Westpac scholarship, and that program over the last year has really taught me that I actually love what I'm doing and the opportunities are endless in the space. And so what I really need to do now is to harness that passion and that power and make myself my own job that pays me accordingly, you know, one day, um, (laughs) but also is having some great social impact and, and I probably never do want to go back to work. In listening to you talk, you have something that I think not a lot of people your age have, which is an incredibly strong immediate family unit where I I assume you're all still also living together. Yes, yeah. Do you think you would be as strong and as close in the way that you are if Guyana wasn't born with Down syndrome? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She is the glue that gels us together and I've said it time and time again and I just can't imagine our life without her Um, and she definitely glues us together. You know, she keeps us really honest as well. And I think that's a really funny thing about her is she 
pulls us all up. You know, we've all got to be home at a certain time. We've when I say Guyana can nip get married, she goes, no, no, <laughs> yuck, no, and all that stuff. And there's that accountability there. And also we know, okay, we can't keep Guyana up too late. We need to, she's like a mum. <laughs> We've got to come home to her. Um and she definitely brings us together because it'll be, you know, a few weeks and we'll go, oh, my God, we've all been so busy. Let's all go out to dinner and just reconnect or have dinner or with each other or something like that. And, and that's really important. And, you know, and one thing is that we could all be fighting and we can all be having, you know, quarrels and all that stuff, but we all gravitate towards her when we get home. We always joke about how she is the most loved human in the world because she's just like overloved. She's got all these support workers, she's got all these support networks, all these staff members, and then all of her family that all like love her so much. So she's very lucky. Do you have an observation about the fact that a lot of people, the end goal of having a family is to have them have your kids move out and go off and start their own family or whatever. And you don't like there's not necessarily that appreciation for sticking together and, and continuing that that love and that unit it, well into adulthood. Yeah. And it's something that I've really been conflicted right with. Right. Because obviously I left my job and I didn't have a salary for a very long time. So I don't have money coming out of my ears. And so I haven't moved out of home. And I still live at home and I'm 26 and I'm single and, you know, and I was getting into this big waft of like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. This has happened. I, I'm nowhere near buying a house. I'm nowhere near getting a boyfriend or a husband or whatever. And I'm Although no- you do have quite a successful business. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like personally, you know, like personally speaking, I was like, oh, my God, like what is happening to my life? And I kind of have realised that there's this like, you know, oh, my God, you you live at home still? Oh, my God, you're, like, 26. And I kind of am like, well, actually, what we have is really special and it's going to end really soon, right? Um, we're all going to go our separate ways, which will naturally happen and, and I'm sure Guyana would go and live independently and all that stuff. So, actually, it's really beautiful to be able to have these special times. And, yeah, we're a bit older, but we can't actually appreciate that until we're older because, obviously, when you're at school and stuff, you're just, like, in the daily grind. But now that we're older, I actually like my sisters and, you know, I will say, oh, well, let's go out for a wine or, or something like that. And I think that in, in this day and age we're in such a rush. I swear I'm not trying to make myself feel better, but, like, we're in such a rush to kind of move out of home and do all of that stuff. But I'm really proud of my family and, I, and I'm not – I hope there's no single men listening. Um, but I'm not really, like – I'm not, you know, super, like, oh, I have to move out next week anymore because – I'm kind of like, well, I'm just going to go and have to pay money to someone else. So I might as well just really enjoy and cherish this time because it definitely won't be there for very long. Yeah. I moved out when I was 16 and I'm now at this point where I'm like, I'm going to be back. I'm like, I'm moving back with my, you know, yeah. not, not in with them, but I'm moving back to the same city and to be, I think you do get to a certain age where you're like, oh, now I, I need my I want to be back mm, with my yeah. family. I yeah. want to be near them again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Can I ask you about just those sort of teen years particularly, how did your friends respond to Guyana? My friends always loved her and they all loved um, hanging out with her so much so that I remember actually one of my friends my friends invited her to the birthday party and not me. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> I know, very scandal. Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, wow. And, yeah, they really loved her. And, you know, and that's how we actually started the business was with my friends um, on a Valentine's Day telling 
their boyfriends to order flowers from us. And that's how we started. And we had maybe 20 deliveries and, and we did them all. And yeah, that was really a beautiful kind of time. So my friends have always been super supportive and quite often it'll be like, oh, how are you? Anyway, how's Guyana? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I put a lot up on social media about her and obviously with her consent. People are really drawn to the Gigi story, I think, because of what she brings and how it's really different. We've kind of given her a voice and sorry, I just screamed voice into the mic. <laughs> but we've given her a voice because often, you know, she, that's what she wanted and she's a bit of a diva, so she likes her voice. Mm. Some people, I think particularly new parents as what well, particularly, mm-hmm. but some people might look at a family like yours and say, there but for the grace of God go I. What do you What do you think about that sort of feeling like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I could handle what that family has. Yeah. Um, I mean, say anything. Is it offensive? Is it is it misguided? Like, what do you think of it? I think it's misguided. And I think, oh, although, actually, I'm not sure if I think it's misguided because I also think that this is not for the faint-hearted and the life that we have chosen to live and the life that we live is insane, right, is absolutely insane. It's just constantly go, go, go. And sometimes we can go weeks, months without even just stopping for a break, right, because we're juggling 17 million balls. But that's actually made us as a family unit closer. I sometimes don't think that life needs to be this complicated and I often think, I often fantasise about times in my life where I will, you know, get to watch TV or do something ridiculous like that. Um, but at the same time, I think that our lives are so much richer and fuller because of that. And at the end of the day, actually, to me, family is the most important thing. And I know a lot of people say that and it's very cliche. Um, but family is the most important thing because you can literally do whatever you want in life. But at the end of the day, the people that are going to have your back, hopefully will always be your family. Do you think it kind of informs the way that your family is in terms of that family unit that you say centres around Guyana being the glue. Do you think that's all so cultural? So I don't actually think so because in Sri Lanka that you hear of a lot of families and even families that live in Australia where culturally it's actually frowned upon to talk about a person with a disability and it's definitely frowned upon to push a person with a disability into the spotlight and give them a platform. And so I think we're actually challenging the cultural thing and often people... You know, people say to me, I just find it so inspiring that you guys are from a cultural and, and linguistically diverse background, but also, you know, and you're women leaning this and also you are promoting people with a disability and you're trying to find them a voice. And so really you've just all of a sudden got all these minority groups that often have a really rough trot. Mm. And I think for me that's been really important. I never thought about it that way, but actually after you're like, oh, we did well. We did good. <laughs> so that was Nip Widgerikrama. Alison, what stuck out for you there as a sibling to Susie when you listened to Nip? I loved it when Nip said that she's like a hawk, right? And how... Uh, how Guyana is is kind of like a barometer on how she judges and gets a sense of how awesome people that come into her life might be, uh, depending on how they interact with Guyana. And Suze, I know that you and I 
Uh, we don't mean to be judgmental of other people because we ask other people not to be judgmental of us. But let's face it, Suze, we are. Well, at least I am. And I am quite happy to be judgmental about how people interact with you and to base my friendships uh, a little bit around people who know how to be inclusive. And you're a good kind of lesson in that. Uh, I heard Nip talk about how Guyana is like the glue for their family and Suze. It made me think about some of the stuff that we've done in the past about siblings, right? Um, where actually siblings have a really diverse range of experiences and it's not everyone's experience that their family member who has a disability is like the glue. Uh, but it's also really exciting for me to hear Nip talk about it from that positive perspective because I know in my uh, experience, a lot of people especially when I was younger, a lot of people just automatically assumed it was a really awful experience for me to have a sister with disability. And actually, Suze, you're awesome and you're also annoying uh, in the same way that I imagine all sisters are partly awesome and partly annoying, like our brother is partly awesome and partly annoying. So um, I guess, yeah, I guess the lesson for me was it was great to hear Nip being positive, uh, but, that, but that relationships, and I'm sure that Nip would say this too, that all relationships <laughs> are complex so friendships can be really interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, friendships with reasonable adjustments. Friendships, very interesting. <laughs> what an interesting way of talking about it. <laughs> uh, if I think, Suze, about what what is a friendship with a what's a reasonable adjustment in a friendship situation for you, Suze? Let me think. So, Suze, you're not someone who picks up a phone and makes a phone call to invite someone over for dinner. So maybe a reasonable adjustment for an ally or a friend for you is to be the one that initiates contact with you, Suze. Mm. Um, and so then then uh, I think a role for me as a sibling or a, or a sister carer, guardian, yada, uh, is to be able to be a touch point for allies and friends who want to connect with you, mm. Suze. So people, you can't give people your phone number, but I can, you know, I can help to do that. Um, but yeah, certainly a reasonable adjustment is people reaching out to you. Uh, and I certainly find that that's a great way for people to be a, an ally to me as a carer for you as well, Suze, is when people are reaching out on Facebook or on like phone or whatever to be asking how things are going for you. So just um, the other day I was at a conference and I bumped into an old colleague who I haven't seen for a while and she said, oh, and how's Sue's going? And I said, oh, yeah, good. And then I'm like, well, actually, Sue's and I are kind of like struggling to, you know, get X, Y and Z done together with just the two of us. So do you think that you could, you know, help with one of these things? And she's like, oh, yeah, I could totally do that. Why don't you just flick me an email and I'll do this and then we can do that. And it was really, um, really great. What are some of the challenges, do you think? I think we can fall into the, the trap of thinking that people with disability just want to be friends with other people with disability. And um, when I look at your life, Suze, and I think about the spread of people in your life, um, I try and think, well, what are the proportions of, of old people and young people and um, people with disability and people without disability that are in your life? And does that match or replicate the spread of people in my life. And I'm, I'm quite keen, Suze, for you to have as diverse a range of friends as I do. And it is a bit of a trap to think that you only want to hang out with people with disability because my experience has been that you actually like hanging out with a really broad range of people. I think we all do, don't we? I think it's an interesting um, idea. I almost, not in a conscious way, but I think I almost had to learn that I actually like 
the company of some people with 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 disabilities, especially with with intellectual, where I was like, actually, this is a two way friendship, and I feel kind of horrible saying it. Like, but I was somewhat surprised, I guess, mm. not having been exposed to it. This was a long time ago now, mm, mm. but not having been exposed to it. That is a really great lesson for an ally, especially for parents, to help your children understand the contribution that all people make, right? And I think that that helps them uh, appreciate the diversity of, of, of all people more. Absolutely. And I have a friend who is just incredibly open with mm. love. She's she's one of probably the, the friend that I would say most of all, if I feel incredibly needy and needy for affection mm. and love, she will never turn you away. Mm. Um, and that is something mm. that I cherish yeah. our friendship deeply. Yeah. Alison, before we talk about tools for the Ally Toolkit, we heard at the start of the episode a bit of your chat with Lily Sharrick. Can you tell us who Lily is and why you chatted with her? Uh, Lily's one of my friends and neighbours. Uh, she is a young lass who goes to school here in Canberra uh, and she and I were talking together about some um, skiing that she'd been doing. So she had just been down to the snow with her family to try out uh, like a cool device that was like a sit ski thing. Lily uses a wheelchair a lot of the time. And, and so she was really excited to be having a go in this wheelchair, um, in this wheelchair ski, like a sled. Uh, her parents, um, we have a WhatsApp group where we all kind of connect with things that are happening for Lily to help uh, all of us friends stay kind of up to date about what Lily's doing. Uh, and so her parents had stuck a video on this WhatsApp group of Lily getting some air in this sled ski, right? So when I saw them, when they had come back from the snow, I was really keen to hear this daredevil Lily tell me about the incredible air that she got in her sit ski. And Suze, it made me think that you would really enjoy having a go in that. We might have to get down to the snow sometime and try it out. Three. Three? Yeah. I went on Monday and Friday. So you went on Monday and came back on Friday. Yeah. And then you got three days of skiing in that week. That sounds awesome. Was it tiring? I find it exhausting when I go skiing. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the video. <laughs> this looks so cool. Yeah. Were you scared? Did you have any, like, did you fall off? No. But. My. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> Your brother did. Did he stack? Yeah. <laughs> really bad or just a little bit? Um. Or heaps? No. Bad. Not bad. But he did it. Um, was he on a was he on skis or was he on a snowboard? Skis. And were your parents skiing as well? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Family skiing. Yeah. That was a conversation with my friend Lily. I really wanted to capture some audio of Lily 
uh, taking the time to talk to me because she has to be so patient with me because I am quite slow to understand the things that she says. Uh, and Lily works really hard at um, making sure that she articulates and pronounces the things so that I can keep up and I can understand. And I love our neighbourhood. Um, we all come together around uh, regular kind of pizza night events and Lily is a big part of our neighbourhood and our community. And I love that um, my my other neighbours have seen Lily and I interact over the years as well as we've all learnt from Lily's mum, dad and brother uh, about listening carefully to Lily and listening carefully to what she says, taking the time to clarify and say back if I don't understand what Lily has said. Uh, and just a couple of tips uh, that we've all learned about how to hear what Lily's saying. So I really wanted to capture a bit of Lily's awesome patience uh, in communicating with, with the likes of me. This mm -hmm. is The Future is Inclusive, and I'm Kara Matthews. In this episode, I'm talking to Alison and Susie Proctor about family and friends. So what are the tools for the toolbox when it comes to family and friends? Oh, where do we start, Suze? Allies need to be unapologetically proactive and patient, courageous, encouraging, empathic. I want allies to keep asking and inviting and including us in things and amplifying the voices of people with disability. And then, Suze, I put myself in your shoes and I thought, what would you want to say to people who could be your ally? And it definitely was, just give me a call, come over, bring a friend and bring cake, right? <laughs> so, Suze, one of the biggest things for you is that it's so important to include you in all the stuff, that you're included everywhere. And that doesn't happen just by waiting for somebody else to make it happen. It happens because allies need mm -hmm. to give you a call, Suze. Come over with cake and a friend. So that's that's our hot tips for today. Mm -hmm. I have one more, and that is uh, recognising the value that their friendship brings to your life. Yeah, totally. The more you expose yourself to the experiences of people with disability, the more you can see the rich diversity in those experiences. So get out there and like listen to the ABC Parenting Spectrum podcast. Listen to Two Peas in a podcast. Listen to the BBC's Ouch podcast. Listen to uh, Pigeonhole. There are so many amazing uh, pieces of media that will give you the chance to learn more and more about the lives of people with disability. And that helps you be a better ally because that helps you with the whole empathy thing. Next time on The Future is Inclusive, we're looking at the importance of having a purpose. You can tell that he knows that his job is important and that the people that he interacts with value what he does. That's next time. And Susie and Alison, it will be our last episode. No, that's no. devastating. <laughs> yes, it is. The Future is Inclusive is funded by the ACT Office for Disability. I'm Kara Matthews, and thanks to Alison and Susie Proctor, Nip Wijewikrama, Lily Sharrick, and our producer, Kim Lester. <laughs> <laughs>